Well, good morning and happy Easter. It's great to uh, be with you on this wonderful Sunday where we celebrate the greatest news that's ever been given to the human race, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so I'm excited to be here and to talk about that with you this morning. I'd like to give a special welcome to you if you're visiting with us for the first time. We're so glad you're here. Please know you're always welcome. I want to begin by sharing a story um, that is a baseball story. It's a good time to do that because it's baseball season and things are just kicking off. And uh, this story took place around the same time the season was just getting ready. Uh, it is a story about the Chicago Cubs, though, so I apologize for that. Um, but it's a funny story, and we all like to laugh at the Cubs, right? So we can do that together to kick off. So the Cubs, uh, in 1984, they were starting their season. They had a great season, actually, during that time. And Rick Sutcliffe was their ace pitcher. And uh, they were playing in Pittsburgh, so they were uh, on an away game. Uh, they just batted, and now they were taking the field. And Rick Sutcliffe got on the field. He got on the mound. He took the ball. They're getting ready to start. First pitch, single. Next batter comes up, home run. Now, this was the first year that the Major League Baseball allowed there to be pyrotechnics and fireworks in the scoreboards. And so everyone was really excited about this. And so that home run happened. And it was the first time in the stadium they let it go. And boy, did they let it go. Boom, 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 boom. Fireworks going off like crazy. Next batter, double. Next batter, home run. Boom, 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 boom. Fireworks go off. So it's getting bad. Next batter, home run again. Boom, 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 fireworks going off. So now it's 5-0 in the first inning. And so the pitching coach, Billy Connors, like any good pitching coach, starts to walk out to the mound. Mark Grace, who was on the captain, he was on first base. He comes walking to the mound, calls a meeting on the mound. And as they're walking to the mound, Rick Sutcliffe goes absolutely crazy in a fit of rage. He starts screaming at all of them, you get back to your positions, I got this. You get back there. And Billy Connors is walking to him and he points in his face and goes, you get back in that dugout. I don't need you out here. I got that. And Billy Connors says, relax, relax, relax. I'm not going to talk to you about your pitching. Relax, relax. I'm not here to talk about pitching at all. I promise not one word about your pitching. And everyone's like, Rick Suckle said, then why are you here? He said, I'm here because I was sitting in the dugout and the guys in the scoreboard called on the phone and they asked me to walk out here so they'd have a chance to reload before the next batter. <laughs> Mark Grace said it was the most funniest moment he ever experienced in baseball. Everybody was cracking up and you know what? Rick Sutcliffe struck out the side after that. Sometimes a conversation can have a huge impact. Sometimes a conversation can be so significant, it can have a huge impact. And I want to talk this morning about a conversation that not only has a huge impact, but is beyond life-changing. I want to talk about a conversation that has an impact for every single person in the human race. I want to talk about a conversation that is the best news that any human being could ever hear. That's how much of an impact this conversation could have. Because the content of this conversation is what we celebrate this morning, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. It is the greatest news any human being could ever hear. And we celebrate it today, but what I really want to do today is look at a question that would help us receive today fully. And the question is this, what does Easter really mean to us? What does Easter really mean for me? 
What does Easter really mean? Jesus rose from the dead, I get it, but what about that affects my day in and day out? And I want to give us, as we look at this conversation, this will become more and more clear, but I want to give us some context in the story that Jen just read for us. So Jesus had three friends while he was ministering here on earth, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, their brothers and sisters, and they became really close. And Lazarus became sick. And Jesus is about two days' journey away from his friends. And so they sent word by a messenger to say, Jesus, Lazarus is sick and you need to come. And when Jesus heard the news... He waited two days before coming. Now, it sounds sort of harsh, but we're going to get to that in a minute. But then when Jesus came, Lazarus was dead for four days, and as he's walking, Martha meets him halfway, and she says, if you were here, you would have healed him, and he would not be dead. And then she had this glimmer of hope, and she said, but I know if you say the word, you can heal him again. So this is where we were in the story. And Jesus looks at her, And he says one of the greatest pieces of information any human being could hear. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, he says to Martha. And Martha said, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. And in that statement, we see three key words that will make Easter real to every one of us. Resurrection, life, and believe. So let's look at verse 25. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Even if they die, they will live. This is hope for one of the greatest fears that faces the human race. This is hope for one of the biggest things that we're afraid of, and that is the fact that death ends this life. And we, many people, have a fear of death because they don't know what it means, they don't know what it holds, and it feels so final. And what we celebrate today conquers the fear of death. Do you realize, for those of you that attend Crossview, that this is my ninth Easter message I've given here? It's my ninth one. I couldn't believe it as I was putting this together. And in that nine years and plus in the 20 years I've been in ministry, I've done several funerals. I've officiated several funerals. And one thing that's common in every single funeral is there's some level of grief and mourning. It might look different, but there's a level of grief and mourning as we say goodbye to loved ones. And people who are Christians grieve and more. People who are not Christians grieve and more. Everyone experiences this at a time of a death of a loved one. However, because of what we celebrate today, those who have a personal relationship with Jesus, their grief is different The Bible phrases it this way. It says, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus and you know your loved one has and your loved one dies, you grieve, but you grieve with hope. Because of what Jesus did, he brings hope into death. Sorrow and death is real, but the hope that Jesus Christ brings is real too. And I have found in doing funerals there can be a fear of death, but it doesn't have to stay that way because of what we celebrate this morning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus Christ got that message about Lazarus, when he heard, he said this in verse 4. He said, This sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God, so the Son of God may be glorified through it. It would not end in death because 
He said it's not, that's not the purpose. The purpose of this is for God's glory. He waited two days before going and seeing Lazarus. And the reason he waited is because he wanted to tell them, he wanted to say, I want to show you something about God that you don't realize yet. I want to show you how powerful God is. I want to blow your mind with the fact that you don't realize who you're dealing with here if you think death is the final answer. So he wanted to wait, and then he came to make a point clear that death is not the answer. Lazarus died physically, and in that sense, the sickness ended in death. But Jesus was talking about something way, way bigger. And Jesus' point was this. When you trust Jesus with your life, even the end, what we call death, is not the end at all. When you trust Jesus with your life, when you surrender your life to him, even the end, what we call death, is not the end at all. This is the message of Easter. Death can be reversed. The power of death is now made powerless because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross and the, his death and his resurrection. There is someone more greater than death. There is someone more powerful than death. There was someone more final than death. And that's what Jesus is getting at. For those who surrender their lives to him, when death comes, it's not the end. In fact, it's a glorious beginning. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ and you die, it's the beginning of paradise. You transition into something better. I love this quote by a man named Henry Nouwen. It says, I am afraid of death every time I let myself be seduced by the noisy voices of my world telling me that my little life is all I have and advising me to cling to it with all my might. But when I let these voices move to the background of my life and listen to that small, soft voice calling me the beloved, I know there is nothing to fear and that dying is the greatest act of love, the act that leads me into the eternal embrace of my God whose love is everlasting. You see, because of what we celebrate this morning, when a Christian dies, they are brought into the reality of this amazing, everlasting embrace of God. They are brought into the reality of this love that they've never experienced before up to this point. When God calls a Christian home to heaven, he calls them to something greater. He calls them to the unrestricted presence of himself. You see, in this life, we can sense his presence, we can sense his love, but it's somewhat restricted. We are going to be moved to a place where we experience that fully. For those who've experienced the death of a loved one, for those who are about to experience the death of a loved one, for those who are facing death itself, please, please hear me. Listen to this. Don't miss this. The Bible is crystal clear. For Christians, life on the other side is not less than what we experience here, but it is better and it is more. Life on the other side for Christians, for those following Jesus, is not less than what we experience here. It is better and it is more in every way. And this is the first message of Easter that you must understand. That death comes into our world. But death is not the end. 
Our Lord Jesus, who we celebrate today in his resurrection, is the Lord over death. And anyone who follows him, when they die, they will not experience something worse. They will experience something better. There's no power in death anymore because of Jesus Christ. And that finality we feel, that fear we feel, can be totally done away with because of what we celebrate this morning. But the gift of Jesus doesn't stop there. When you give your life to Jesus, not only is there no longer fear and death, but you receive something else. You receive real life. Look at verse, I'm going to read verse 26 for you. It says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus is saying, a person can believe if they are dead. But that makes us think, a person who's physically dead can't believe. So what is he talking about? Well, he's not talking about a physical death. He's talking about a death that every single one of us in this room can relate to. He's talking about something that we can all agree with. What he's talking about is that you can be fully physically alive, yet somewhat feel dead on the inside. You can feel fully alive, but yet feel like something isn't complete. Feel like there has to be more to this life. And in feeling like there has to be more to this life, it can feel like, yes, I'm alive physically, but I'm longing for something more. I'm longing for something better. It kind of just feels like something is missing inside my life. See, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is saying there's lots and lots of people in the world who are alive in the world, but they're dead on the inside. They're dead inside to the life that God wants to live. Do you know what he's talking about? Does that make sense? Have you been there where you feel like there's got to be more to this life than just this? That's what he's talking about. Maybe you feel like that today. He is talking about something here that has drawn millions of people to him from all around the world throughout all time. Human beings have this sense within them where there's got to be more. And the reason they have that sense is because God created them with that sense. Without you coming alive, and the way you come alive is to know Jesus Christ personally, without that happening, nothing will satisfy you completely. Because the Bible says that God created us with eternity in our hearts so that we would spend the rest of our days on earth searching to have this eternity fulfilled within us. And we try to fill that gap with so many different things of this world. And when we try to fill it with anything other than God, nothing will satisfy. It's not real life. And we try to fill it with money and fame and relationships and fulfilled dreams and careers and all these things. And when you attain that, you will still find that there's still this longing in your heart. The only way to address that longing is to invite Jesus Christ into your life because he's not just the resurrection. He is also the life. And when he comes in, he makes all things new. Let me show you what I mean. In this conversation Jesus had with Martha, he says to her, your brother will rise again. 
And she looks at him and she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You see, Martha was well-trained and she gave Jesus the religious answer because she had a belief as she was raised to know God that there will be a time at the end when the Messiah will return and those who are dead, will, who know him, will come to life. And so she was talking about something in the future, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was saying, Martha, I'm not talking about the resurrection at the future. I am talking about the here and now. And what he was saying is when I come into your life, I will fill your inner being and I will bring you into the place that you were made to be. I will give you a new life. I will bring you into how God intended you to be. I'm talking about the here and the now. Jesus is declaring here the things of the world can be great. Family, relationships, money, they can bring you joy, but you know what? They make horrible gods. And if you try to make those things your God, you will be set in a life that will always long for more. But when God is at the center of your life, you can experience a joy, a soul satisfaction, a new life that's better than anything you could ever imagine, whether you have the things of the world or not. You would have Jesus, and he is everything. You see, that is the message of this Easter, because he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus brings hope even into the worst experiences of this world. Jesus brings hope even into death itself, because he is the resurrection and the life. You know what it's like? It's like this. I need a little help from Pixar. Some of you are saying that's the Incredibles. That's not the Incredibles. That's the Parr family. Bob, Ellen, Violet, Dash, and Jack-Jack. They're not the Incredibles. They are miserable. You know why? Because they are pretending to be something they're not. And they're trying to live a life satisfied being something they are not. They are miserable trying to mask what they were really created to be because they were told that this is how they have to act. They were meant for something so much greater than this, but they're trying to make this their life. You see, they are alive physically, but they're dying on the inside because they're saying something is missing. But when at last they are called and they come into what they are meant to be, boom, they're the Incredibles. Now they're living as they were intended. They're living with power. They're living in the way that God created them to live. They've moved from death to life. And for the first time, when they get to that place, they feel alive. You see, it's just like us. When we go through the motions of this life apart from Jesus Christ, it's like being something we're not meant to be. It's like pretending And you see, the world will say, if you go and give your life to Jesus Christ, you'll give up so much, but the opposite is true. When you're not living for Jesus Christ and you're trying to fulfill your life with all these things and you find at the end of that road, it's just empty. But when you give your life to Jesus Christ and you surrender to him, he enters your life and you are made new. And he brings you to that place that God intended you to be. God calls us to himself personally. Do you know that? When Jesus went finally to the grave where Lazarus was dead, 
He looked at the grave after Lazarus was dead four days, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. He called him out personally. God calls us personally, and Bible scholars would agree that the reason Jesus had a call personally is because if he would have just stood in front of that grave and said, come forward, every dead body in the world would have rose and came forward. That's how much power Jesus had. But he called Lazarus personally because he's a personal God, and he calls us personally too. Maybe you are experiencing him calling you right now. He wants a relationship with you. He wants it personal. He wants it real. He doesn't want it to be some religious thing, but a personal, real, live relationship. And you know what else? When he called Lazarus forward, Lazarus was dead four days. And you know what? He came out alive. You know what that tells us? That tells us there is nothing, nothing that can stop the power of God. There is nothing in this world that can stop the power of God. You may be sitting there saying, you have no idea the addictions I have. You have no idea the things I'm trying to stop doing, but I keep doing. You have no idea the pain I've gone through. You have no idea of the horrible experiences I went through. And I'm telling you right now, nothing can stop the power of God. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he comes into your life and he brings healing. He brings fulfillment. He brings forgiveness. And all those things that you have in front your mind, those illnesses, those pains, those hurts, those regrets, those things you can wish you wish you can go back and change but can't. He takes all that and he makes it new and those things fall to the ground like grave clothes. No power. No power in death. No power in those things that have held us down. Jesus will come in and it may not happen instantaneously, but he will heal. He will free you. He will complete his work and set you free from all those things. See, that's the life he gives. He can set you free, but here's the thing. When Jesus calls you, you must believe. When he calls you, you must believe. I was reading in the Bible this week a story about a synagogue ruler. It's like, it's like a pastor of a church. And he had a daughter who was really, really sick. And he ran to find Jesus because he knew that she was going to die. And he found Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you come and heal my daughter? She's about to die. And he's having this conversation. A messenger comes to him and says, don't bother Jesus anymore. She's dead. And I thought about the soul of this guy just had a fall and crumble. His daughter is now dead. Some of you have tasted that pain. And he just had a crumble. And in that moment when he's wondering, how am I going to go on? Jesus came to him and know what Jesus said to him? He said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Well, what was he talking about when he said just believe? He was talking about believe in who I am. Believe in me. Believe that I am the Son of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. I am the Son of God that there's nothing more powerful in this world than me. He wasn't talking about an intellectual belief like, yeah, I believe Jesus is real. He was talking about a belief that takes your whole life and all that you are and you put it all in his hands and you say, I believe you are the Son of God. You are worthy of my entire life and I give it to you. That's what he was calling him to. And when Jesus is calling you, he's calling you to believe with your whole life. 
to give it all to him. And when you do that, he makes all things new. Is he calling you this morning? Is he saying to you, I want you to move from death to life? I want you to have no more fear in death, and I want you to have a life that is fulfilling and meaningful as you walk out the rest of your days with me. Isn't it time to move from death to life? You see, Martha thought so, because when Jesus was talking to her, this is what she said. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he looked at Martha in the eyes and he said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And you know what Martha said? Martha said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. And the moment she said that, she came alive. The moment she said that, she began to see life as it really is. The moment she said that, the things that were chaining her down, even the anger that Jesus didn't fix this problem, were let go because she was overwhelmed with the love of God and who he is. Is he calling you today? Is he calling you to walk closer to him? I started by saying this is the best news that the human race has ever heard. Do you know why? Because the person who set this up is Jesus Christ himself, who died and rose from the dead. You see, Jesus came to earth because God so wanted a relationship with the human beings he created, but our sin separated us from a holy God, and God wasn't satisfied to leave it like that. He wanted to bring human beings into relationship with him so they no longer have to fear death and so that they can have meaningful life here and have life that's fulfilled and satisfied in their soul. So Jesus came to earth, lived the perfect life for us, went to the cross, and on the cross he paid for our sins. That's what the death of the cross was all about. Someone had to pay for the sins before a holy God, and Jesus took our place. And then after he died, he rose from the dead, now extending to us the most amazing offer that could ever be made, that if you believe, if you ask him into your life, you can be forgiven and you no longer have to fear death because death will now be a gateway to paradise. And now you can live this life with life that is meaningful and fulfilled because Jesus Christ is living inside of you. That's the greatest news a human being can ever hear. Do you know that? Do you feel God is calling you to walk closer to him this Easter morning? If so, I want to give you an opportunity to receive this gift, the greatest gift that can be ever given to a human being. I want to do that by asking you to bow your heads right now. The presence of our Savior is here today, and he is risen If you want to have more to him, maybe this is the first time ever you've heard anyone talk about a personal relationship with God. You see, it's not about a Christian culture. It's not about a religion. It's not about duty. It's about a real live relationship with the one who conquered death. God is calling us all to that. And if you want to receive that, if you want to walk in that, all you have to do is ask him to come into your life. And you can, the words really don't matter. There's nothing magical about this prayer I'm about to pray. 
But what's really there is your intention to live and walk with Jesus and invite him in. So if you want to do that, I'm going to pray. And what I encourage you to do is just in the quietness of your heart, you don't have to say this out loud, you don't have to stand, you don't have to do anything, but just in the quietness of your heart, repeat these words back to God and ask him to come in and make you new through these words. If this is something you want to do right here in the quietness of this moment before our risen Savior, just repeat my words back to him. Dear Jesus, I sense you calling me. I want to give you my life right now. I ask you to come into my life and live through me. Forgive me for living my own way. Forgive me for all my sins. I ask you now to be my Lord and my God. Help me to follow you. I trust you with my life. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now let me pray for all of us. God, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ who lived, who died in our place and who rose from the dead, conquering death, giving us life. We thank you because of who he is and what he did. We can trust him that we no longer have to fear death and we can live a life that's truly meaningful. Will you take us no matter where we're at in our relationship with you and because of what we celebrate today, will you take us deeper into you? Will you draw us closer to you? God, I pray that you'd give us that gift. And I ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you want to begin a personal relationship with God, we'd love to help you do that. You can either talk to us after service or contact us by email or call, and we will help you get started in this new life, this life that, where you no longer have to fear death, and this life where you can live with meaning and purpose before him. Jesus Christ lived, he died, and he rose from the dead, conquering death and giving us true life.